Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we are glad that you've taken some time to be with us today. I am uh, really excited about today's show. We're going to talk about uh, the white-tailed deer. White-tailed deer is a topic that uh, certainly is number one in the, uh, the hunting industry, the hunting community. As a matter of fact, we were just uh, discussing the fact that about 80% of uh, all of hunting and all of the money that is generated by hunting gear and hunting licenses and all that good stuff is attributed to the whitetail so there's no bigger player in the pantheon of uh hunting critters than the whitetail deer and uh, i've got uh, a friend a longtime friend uh mr craig doherty uh, with me today and craig is the executive director of a brand new whitetail organization called the National Deer Alliance. Craig, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Thank you, Christian. Happen to be here. Happy to be here. Happy to be here, and you just happen to be here. That's true, isn't it? <laughs> Craig's actually swung through uh, the Peterson's Bowhunting headquarters today in Harrisburg, PA, uh, uh, making his rounds and uh, informing people about the National Deer Alliance. Craig, First question I got to throw at you. I mean, you know, we had a chance to talk a little bit about the NDA, and you're going to do a lot of good things, I'm sure. But honestly, I mean, I think about all the conservation groups that are out there. You know, we've got the Quality Deer Management Association, we've got Whitetails Unlimited. Obviously, there's the Elk Foundation and the Grouse Society, and then we've got our United Bow Hunters of Pennsylvania, and there's bow hunting groups and Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett. I mean, there's so many groups out there already. Why do we need a brand new group for whitetail deer, the National Deer Alliance? The reason we need a new group for deer, whitetail deer in particular, is uh, uh, there are multiple reasons for this. Number one. Um, the white-tailed deer particularly have had a relatively um, smooth sailing for and deer hunters for the last 20 to 30 years. There hasn't been any real big deer issues out there. They've been repopulating. There haven't been serious disease issues, predation issues, etc. But over the last 10 years, um, organizations that keep pretty careful records and do surveys like Quality Deer Management Association, which does, I've noticed that trend that uh, populations are down in about half of the states, the deer hunting states in the country, and deer harvests are down. Um, If you say why, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, It can be predation, it can be disease, it can be multiple factors. And so there's a bit of a bumpier road for deer right now than there were in the last 20 or 30 years. Now, that aside, um, there's a couple of deer organizations out there, but they're a tiny fraction of the deer hunting fraternity. Uh, There's probably 12 million deer hunters in the country. 80% of all hunting is for deer. 
yet less than 1% of those people belong to some kind of an organization. And let's face it, right now we live in a world that is driven by special interest and special interest group. Who speaks for all deer? Um, the deer organizations out there have little tiny memberships. And the cry has been out there for years to create an NRA for the deer hunter, an organization that puts up a very big tent, welcomes all deer hunters of all stripes, and says, come on in, we're all going to represent the interest of deer and deer hunters, because every day people are making decisions about how to manage deer, how to manage hunters, and frankly, don't you think deer hunters ought to be invited to those conversations? And frankly, I believe the deer hunter ought to be the 800-pound gorilla at the table when those decisions are being made. So the idea of the National Deer Alliance to be a voice for deer hunters and the deer hunting community, where did this idea come from? Um, how long have you guys been around? Who, who's driving this? The driver behind it, it all started at the first annual deer summit that was held, North American Deer Summit, was held last spring in Brunson, Missouri. And that was an, a, a deer summit called by the Quality Deer Management Association, funded by a variety of sources, including a, a national uh, source. And basically, they brought together all the stakeholders who had a stake in deer. They brought hunters together. They brought professional researchers together, academics, universities types who trained uh, the deer managers. They brought state deer managers together. They brought the outdoor press, and they brought the hunting industry together and spent two and a half, three days meeting and saying, what's going on in the deer world? Well, that organization identified many threats to deer and deer hunting, uh, quite a list of them, not all of them new or fresh, but one of the biggest things that emerged from that meeting was one of the biggest issues out there is there is no group to represent deer or deer hunters uh, at a national level. No group that can come together if there are serious issues that need to be worked to work these issues. It was said, if it was said once, it was said 50 times, what we really need here is an NRA for deer hunters. So, so an NRA for deer hunters, so this is going to be uh, a rights and advocacy organization for the, for the deer hunting community? Yes, it's going to be, it, it's going to be more than just advocacy. It'll, it'll have an advocacy feeling to it because we're going to be organized on the internet. Um, it's going to be cyber driven and we're going to create an environment. It's a, it's a free to join. All you have to do is basically give us your email, um, give us your name and give us your zip code so we know who you are and where you're from and what's on your mind. And then uh, on a weekly basis you'll get a newsletter and we will be asking you, and we already have started this, we ask questions on a regular basis to hear what's on your mind, what are issues, what issues do you want worked, what do you think is important. And what we basically hope to realize here is because it's free to join and it's internet driven, there's not a lot of cost on our end of the equation. So we should have about 250,000 members by the end of the year. And if we just recruit the same amount of P 
people into the organization that have been recruited into other conservation groups, we can easily break a million members by the end of next year. And with those kind of numbers it, and, and that kind of a cyber organization, we can basically see an issue that surfaces in West Virginia at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. We can work that issue by noon. We'll kind of know how to frame that. By 1 o'clock, we could have, can reach out to 11,000 members in Virginia, and by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, have a petition on a governor's desk that said, no, sir, don't do that, or please do that. So basically, it, many have called this the future of conservation organizations who are going to be lean and mean and fast moving uh, because of the web, and there won't be print publications, or it won't take two or three months to get something done, if at all. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the issues that are facing whitetails and the deer hunting community. For those of you who aren't aware, um, Craig is a lifelong deer hunter, very serious deer hunter. Uh, he and his son Neil uh, not only uh, hunt deer very avidly, they've been involved in uh, uh, deer management and property management. Actually, you and Neil have been uh, at the forefront of a lot of uh, the deer management techniques that you know clubs and landowners are using you know across the country now uh, and and they've had a consulting business so you're no stranger to you know hunting and, and to managing deer and so I know that you're intimately familiar with a lot of these issues but you know as a bow hunter uh, which is obviously you know our audience here some of the big things that I think about every year, you know, especially for those of us who travel to hunt, is we think about disease, you know, just EHD, which has been such a big story in the last several years, particularly in the Midwest, uh, out into the West even, uh, the Dakotas, Wyoming, um, you know, places where we look forward to hunting, uh, big buck meccas, if you will, and it seems like in some areas EHD has just decimated the, the herds and wiped out so many of the mature animals. What could a group like the National Deer Alliance possibly do to, you know, stop the spread of EHD or, or mitigate its impacts, that sort of thing? I'm not sure that the National Deer Alliance is going to be able to mitigate the spread of EHD. Um, as we grow, as our funding sources increase, as we get more support, we absolutely are intending to support research that has a lot to do with, um, I mean, if you look at the dollars behind the deer hunting industry, it's huge. How much do we actually spend on disease prevention or at least research to better understand these diseases? Probably, for sure, not nearly enough. So. Um, can we support research? Will we support research? Absolutely. On the other hand, let's shift gears a little bit to something like chronic wasting, which is a very uh, significant deer disease as well. Um, every day states are, are making decisions about chronic wasting disease. Um, how do we stop the spread? Do we allow this to happen or that to happen? And basically, I think our thesis is, is very simple. Um, if decisions are being made, hunters need to be heard. Um, that doesn't mean hunters have all the decisions or the right decisions, but hunters deserve a seat at the table when decisions are being made that affects what they hunt and how they hunt.
Uh, a third example might be predators. Um, you live in a state that has quite a bit of predation by black bears. Um, they are fawn takers. They reduce your population numbers significantly. And your state looks at that issue and says, well, should we reduce the population of bears maybe as a solution, as a possible solution? Um, should we just ignore it and forget about it? Will that just nature take its course? And again, um, well, let's hear what hunters have to say about that. In some cases, you have decisions being made that hunters are actively influenced these decisions, and maybe not in a good way. Um, sometimes the squeaky wheel getting the, 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 the grease. You can have groups of hunters who call for this action or that action. They enlist the help of, of politicians. And it's our belief that perhaps maybe that group, loud and small, uh, might be influenced a decision to go the wrong way. There's safety in numbers, and there's solid thinking in numbers. If we have 25,000 hunters, deer hunters, in the state of Pennsylvania all weighing in on issues, chances are that will be a pretty solid weigh-in where reason will prevail. So, 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 you know, getting involved in the decision-making process, I think, is very important for the hunting community. Um, we have boots on the ground. We see things. And we should be active participants. And the way to be active participants is not only to hunt, but also to be organized and be heard. Yeah, you had mentioned something, actually, as we were talking before we started the show today, that, and it ties into this, you had mentioned that you feel that, you know, as a group across the nation, you know, we've got, like you said, 12 million or so deer hunters out there. It's a lot of boots on the ground. And you feel that as a resource, we're very underutilized, whether it be by the state agencies um, or other groups that may, you know, have an interest in, in managing deer for whatever particular purpose. Uh, how do you feel that, uh, you know, the NDA might be uh, able to, you know, make better use, maybe open some of those doors or make connections so that, you know, the, the information that we have can be not only uh, heard, but, but put to good use. That heard with an H-E-R-D or? H-E-A-R-D. <laughs> heard that way. Uh, the goal of the National Deer Alliance is to, to have a, a very, very high population of members. As such, we will be organized, and as such, we are a resource that can be readily tapped into by state agencies. Um, state agencies deliberately don't ignore hunters. It's just there's not an organized way to hear hunters and to listen to hunters. And if we have the organizational structure available and the willingness and the ability to convince hunters to have an active role in the management and at the same time work with state agencies who want hunters to have an active role in the management, and it's a lot easier to forge that relationship. On the flip side of the equation, if you look at the people dedicated to managing deer in states, the, the dedicated people uh, from the state side is very small number of deer experts or people uh, specifically 
dedicated to managing a huge multi-multi-million dollar resource for that state. It's woefully small and inadequate. And very few states, uh, uh, state agencies are going to say, gosh, I have enough people. They're working with shortfalls of people. And hunters are very capable of observing things in the field and filling out reports and doing other things. If somebody tells them to do it and opens the door to do it, I think we can have much more progressive. The best model that we see out there working in the field is when agencies work closely with their hunters and enlist their hunters as eyes and ears and boots on the ground to help them. What, uh, in your opinion, Craig, what's the biggest threat? that the deer hunting community faces right now? Well, I think it's it's always, and I don't think this is the answer you're looking for, the biggest threat probably is, uh, uh, you know, there, there's major forces out there trying to put us out of the deer hunting business. You know, uh, your, your, your head publisher um, showed me a postcard that the magazine here got, uh, today that said uh, hunters are bad and you know shooting deer is awful and that whole thing and I, I don't think I don't think we should take our hunting heritage for granted and it's our numbers decline and I think and, and absolutely the numbers of hunters are declining every every year there's a few blips up every so often but overall if you look at a a 20-year trend, we're, we're dying as an organization of hunters. I mean, our, our numbers are going down. You go down far enough and you get legislated right out of business. Let's face it, in our political climate, I mean, are there really politicians out there who care about a whole lot more than votes? I think not. And basically, once hunting becomes unimportant to the political structure, I think a lot more decisions will go against us if for us. So organize this 11 million, 12 million deer hunters. Maybe we can even get organized enough to help bring more people into what we do, show them the value of what we do, and make more hunters so we go back up to a higher percentage of our population and become even more important. So I, I think overall, the biggest threat we have is just the, the gradual decline in numbers of people participating in what our heritage is. And. Uh as a follow-up, what do you think is the biggest challenge to deer, to white-tailed deer? Right now, I think the biggest habitat, uh, challenge to white-tailed deer is ha habitat. I think we, um, we have run, in some areas, uh, deer population so high and allowed them to get so high that in some areas deer have kind of eaten themselves out of house and home, and their numbers uh, are um, some of those environments are poised for a potential crash. Other areas, uh, habitat has just been taken away by population expansion and development. That's gone downhill. And in many cases, we have um, of, of, of wild spaces that have been somewhat ignored. Deer thrive in a world uh, six feet and under. They don't do well in very big wild spaces where you have 100-foot trees, and there's nothing for them to eat and, and live in. And I think the way to create good deer and good wildlife populations is to manage habitat. And I don't think we're doing enough habitat management on a national level in all the state lands and state areas and federal lands and areas that, that we could be doing. 
You mentioned the, the National Deer Alliance as a NRA for deer hunters. When I think of the NRA, obviously the first thing that comes to my mind is the Second Amendment and the fact that, you know, on any given day, the NRA is involved in you know, legislative battles, legal battles on any number of fronts, you know, from the federal government to state and local levels throughout the country. Um, is that something that you envision for the National Deer Alliance? Are you guys going to be, you know, that uh, involved politically and, and legally where uh, you're going to have, I mean, maybe the, obviously I don't think deer hunting is necessarily as controversial maybe as the Second Amendment, but, uh, I mean, that, that requires a significant amount of resources and organization and manpower to, to stay on top of uh, such a, a breadth of issues all at the same time. You're right. Uh, Christian, you're right. There, there's a, as I said, there, there are decisions being made every day. And the more resources we have at NDA, the more members that join the NDA, the more the people that help us grow, the more assets we'll have, the more resources we'll have. Well, very much, you know, the, the NDA grew out of a quality deer management um, sponsored event that was at the National Deer Summit. Um, quality Deer Management, QDMA, has been doing advocacy work for many years. And um, the NDA is actually being structured as a 401c4 organization, which allows for even more advocacy. So we're, QDMA is no stranger to advocacy. Their biologists are involved on a, on a weekly basis with states on deer issues. Um, I talk to them all the time on a regular basis. They're always into, in uh, state agencies, um, consulting, advising the agency people on issues and hopefully pr proposing good answers. And uh, in many cases, the agency looks to QDMA to help them with their public that they serve. Um, gosh, uh, you fellas are familiar with what has worked in, in Virginia and what worked at the same time in Wisconsin and what failed in um, Illinois. And um, gosh, our hunters want to go the Illinois route. Um, what what would you say to them? So in many cases, this, this whole advocacy thing works both ways. If you keep the deer and deer hunting in mind, and, and that becomes your goal, um, better deer, better deer hunting, most cases the decisions you influence will be, will be good decisions. Um, the political process out there can be pretty detrimental. I come from a state, New York, where um, politicians got involved... Uh, uh, blocking certain things, and in some cases, the politicians are supporting th things. But uh, the process is all vote-driven, and who gets to them with the loudest voice and, and the most money. And the NDA will have a hunter-based organization. It will also have a, a strong science background, a strong science agenda, and a North American wildlife model is built on. Um, decisions that are made primarily science-driven, and you pretty much are in solider territory if science drives wildlife issues than the political process where votes drive the, the, the decision. You mentioned several times the, the Quality Deer Management Association and 
the summit that they organized where this all grew out of. But I know that uh, you had also drawn some distinction between the QDMA and the National Deer Alliance. There's some people who, you know, associate QDMA more with, uh, you know, landscape management, uh, property management type things. And actually, it's kind of almost become a generic term. You know, you'll hear somebody talking to a hunting buddy and say, oh, well, you, you have a, you practice QDM on your property or whatever, as if it's, there's some kind of a catch-all term. But point being, is the National Deer Alliance QDM, or, or is it more than that? It's much more than that, and, and I don't mean that in a qualitative manner. It's uh, basically after the, the Deer Summit, the, the QDMA team and the board of directors went back and said, that, now look, there's, there's a strong call here for an organization to be, it went up from the floor, for an organization to be created that represents deer, if you will, an NRA for deer and deer hunters. Uh, it can't be the traditional QDMA because it is a land-driven organization. And for right or for wrong, um, it's become synonymous with a management model of, of, um, of how to manage deer. And it's also been, become synonymous for landowners, uh, landowner-driven organization. Yet most deer hunters don't own land. They just hunt on land. So we basically said, the, 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 the QDMA said, no, we form another organization. We pitch a very, very big tent open to any and all comers who have a, a stake or an interest in deer. And, and that goes to anybody. So the NDA is organized differently than QDMA. Um, it is under a separate IRS umbrella, more or less, or category. Its directors are different. Its uh, its management is different. Uh, I'm executive director now. I was a board member from QDMA. I re stepped down from that board position so that I could function independently as an NDA executive director of, of that organization. So while its roots spring from QDMA, undeniably and proudly so, uh, it will pitch a broader tent. It will be more driven by Hunter's agenda than perhaps the QDMA, which is a more land science-driven agenda. And obviously the word alliance would indicate that we're allying a number of different forces under this tent, if you will, to use your term. And we've talked about the hunters and the fact that you want as many deer hunters as hear this to go to nationaldeeralliance.com, I guess is your website? That's correct, yep. And go ahead and sign up. You mentioned that there's no cost. Um, so that kind of begs the question, right? Nothing runs for free. We don't run websites for free. You don't pay your salary for free. Who else makes up the alliance? We've got the deer hunters and whom uh, as part of this organization. Well, in, in addition to right away, um, when the alliance was formed, the Mule Deer Federation said, count us in. Um, a, a mule deer is a deer. Uh, we did not name it the National Whitetail Alliance, which is what QDMA was all about. Um, so the mule deer folks have, have joined the alliance. We're currently in conversation with Whitetails Unlimited, which is another deer organization like QDMA. Their indications are, gosh, this makes a lot of sense to be part of this. 
Uh, frankly, last week I talked to the Rough Grouse Society. Um, anybody that's in the, the, the wildlife organ, uh, conservation community certainly sees a linkage between whatever they're doing, whether it's the National Wild Turkey Federation or the Rough Grouse Society, and what's going on in the deer world. They're all interconnected. So we absolutely have reached out, and these people are indicated uh, an interest in coming in under the tent. And how we'll do that is we will come together to talk about issues. Some of the issues may be irrelevant to the Rough Grouse Society, which had, might have to do with chronic wasting to disease or to seasons or some deer-specific issue, mule deer habitat in the West, uh, not a rough grouse issue. On the other hand, when you start talking about habitat issues, um, you cannot separate a rough grouse issue from a white-tailed deer issue. And so there's a lot of common uh, common denominators. In this cyber world we live in, it's easy to interface with other people, um, talk to them in emails, get an agreement, um, get organized together to work an issue or put it aside and say, that's ah, not one for me, not one for my group, but uh, let me know the next time you're dealing with habitat or the next time you're going to deal with poaching or the next time you're going to deal with something like that. And, and it's something we're interested in working with, so we'll join you on that one. And what about the industry? I know that uh, you mentioned you had an expression of support from the Archery Trade Association. Um, what about their involvement, the involvement of maybe particular uh, hunting equipment manufacturers and that sort of thing? Obviously, they've got some enlightened self-interest in preserving the white-tailed deer because they'd like to sell us all products that we can use to pursue the deer with. Um, what's your feeling about their involvement and the role that they would play in the in the alliance as a whole? Well, I've been a member of the hunting industry for probably 35 years, running companies, et cetera, et cetera. The greatest thing about the hunting industry is it's, uh, it's a, by and large a group of active participants. I don't know many who run manufacturing companies who are not involved with doing it. They don't just sell to it, they are active participants, which changes things a little bit. Um, they have both a business stake in deer and a personal stake in deer. They probably live a lifestyle that, that includes spending a lot of time hunting deer. 80% um, of their business, if and, and even more in the case of bow companies and archery specific companies, is driven by deer. So. Not only do they see it as a very, very wise business decision to support a deer organization, at a personal level they say, sign me up, this needs to be done. Um, I was raised in a deer hunting heritage, my kids are raised in that heritage, and I want my grandchildren to have that heritage to be part of their heritage as well. So the support from our, the industry has been tremendous. The Archery Trade Association has pledged already significant dollars startup dollars behind us. I have yet to meet an, a manufacturing company who hasn't said, sign me up. We're there, we're with you. In one way or another, we're with you. So I believe you said it's been a couple of months, so a relatively short time since you've gotten this all organized. You've got some big plans, obviously. You want to get to a quarter of a million members by the end of the year. Uh, so sort of to, to close it all up, tell folks 
what they can do both individually and, and within their sphere of influence among their fellow deer hunters to help, you know, go ahead and support it and, like you said, to preserve the heritage that we want to be there for our kids and our grandkids. Well, the first thing you can do is join the National Deer Alliance. Um, it costs you nothing to join. All you have to do is go to our, our sign-up page, nda.com. When you get there, push the button that you're in, and a drop-down box will say, um, who are you, what's your email address, and what's your zip code. And after that, you're a member. Every week, we'll send you a newsletter to keep you posted on what's going on. Uh, this week's newsletter asks some questions about, are you happy with the deer you're seeing in the woods? Are you seeing more deer than you did a few years ago? Are you seeing less? So we're constantly taking your temperature, constantly listening to you. So frankly, it's kind of a no-brainer if you care about deer. And uh, our, our, our newsletter has more than just deer issues. We have science in our newsletter. We have cool things about deer, stuff that will make you a better deer hunter and better deer manager if you're into that. And uh, that's all we need from you at this point is to become a member and participate in the process. We may reach out and say, hey, um, a call to arms. Guys, we, all of you here in, in New York State, there's an issue, and we need about 15 or 25,000 of you to sign this petition we're going to put on the governor's desk tomorrow afternoon. So all we're going to need you to do there is click on a button and, and stand up and be counted when we need you. But right now, join, nda.com. Well, there you have it, guys. It's I'm, I'm sorry, Christian, I did that wrong. NationalDeerAlliance.com. Yeah, NationalDeerAlliance.com. Check it out. Throw your weight behind it. It's, uh, it's a coalition uh, of the deer hunter, by the deer hunter, for the deer hunter. To steal a phrase from somebody, some founding father out there. I don't know who it was, but whoever it was, they were brilliant. <laughs> Jefferson, maybe? <laughs> uh, so anyways, Craig, I appreciate you coming by today, actually making the trek all the way down here to Pennsylvania. It's always good to see you, and uh, wish you the very best with the National Deer Alliance. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot from the NDA in the weeks, months, and years ahead. Thank you, Christian. As you know, I'm an old Pennsylvania boy. It's always good to get home. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio presented by Easton's new ultra-micro-diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.